I, this week I was thinking about a line uh, that I came away from a retreat with. It was, I think it was a 10-day retreat, and the one thing that stuck out at me was this one line, and it was, to cling is to suffer. And so that was, that was uh, coming up for me this week, and so I, I, thought I'd, um, I thought I'd want to investigate it a little bit. It's such a simple sentence, uh, and it makes sense, but what is suffering, what's clinging, what's craving? And um, I found myself really getting into the suttas around this. Uh, and so I'm probably going to talk a little bit more about some suttas than I usually do in my, in my, in my classes. Um, and and what, when I was thinking about suffering and clinging, I got to thinking about the idea of desire. And a lot of times you hear people say that desire, in Buddhist teachings, desire is bad, and you have to see what you can do to stomp out all desire, but, um, and, and you need to do that in order to be free. And that's actually impossible, and it, I don't think it's actually true, because um, we have the desire to be free from suffering, dukkha. Dukkha is the word. Um, that's usually translated as suffering. And uh, we have the desire to um, be free from that. We have the desire to be better in our practice. We have the desire to be happy. There are all the heart practices with all these wishes for other beings, which is a type of desire. And if you look into the teachings, there is a type of desire called chanda, that's the Pali word, which is actually wholesome and skillful. It's, it is that desire for all beings to be free. It is this desire to um, practice um, happiness, health. It's the desire to end uh, injustice, um, cultivate compassion. So there are wholesome and skillful desires. And um, we don't have to give those up because they're, they're taking us in a wise direction. And... Um, That's not what the Buddha is talking about when he's talking about dukkha. He's talking about this different kind of desire, which kind of moves into craving. And the word that is used in the suttas is tanha, which means thirst. So it's this 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 continual wanting more, this thirst. That's this, you know. And, and it makes me think of the realm of the hungry ghosts in Buddhist cosmology. They talk about these different realms people can be reborn in, and one of them is the realm of the hungry ghosts, and that is, those are creatures that are insatiable. They just cannot get enough, and often the imagery is this giant, giant body with this teeny little mouth that just is continually sucking stuff in, and I was talking, I was actually talking to Rick Hansen a number of years ago, and he talked about how we're in the realm of hungry ghosts right now. It's just this, especially he was talking about social media, there's just this insatiable wanting more and just consumption, 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 and never enough and never enough. And so that is actually this idea of craving. That's this idea of craving and clinging and holding on to that, you know, wanting things to be a certain way and clinging to those ideas, this desire, that thinking, thinking that this particular thing will lead us to happily ever after, which is, you know, knit, seldom the case, seldom the case that happens, you know, 
And it's driven by delusion. It's driven by ignorance. It's driven by thinking things are a certain way. And that's the craving that leads to dukkha. That's the, the clinging that leads to suffering, wanting a particular outcome all the time, wanting to, to match what we wanted to match. And this is what the Buddha talks about in the Second Noble Truth, that the, the core, the cause of our, our dukkha, our suffering, our discontent, I like saying discontent too, because suffering can be a challenging word for people, but the core uh, root cause of our discontent is the wanting things to be a certain way, in, in not capable of being okay with the present moment. And Sharon Salzberg, I, I was reading an article, she, uh, a piece she wrote, um, her lion's roar, and she said, it's often said that the Buddha simply taught about suffering and the end of suffering. Suffering in his teaching does not necessarily mean grave physical pain, but rather the mental suffering we undergo when our tendency to hold on to pleasure encounters the fleeting nature of life, when our tendency to hold on to the good stuff and runs smack dab up against impermanence. And our, and, our, and our experience becomes unsatisfying and ungovernable. It's unsatisfying and it's ungovernable because we're trapped in these cycles of thinking pleasure is good, unpleasant is bad. We get stuck in this, this binary of good and bad, right or wrong. And that, that's not what it's about. These are the tendencies that often can become out of control and cause so much discontent, you know. And there's a, it's a problem much of the time because we don't even know they're there. It's the water we swim in. It's these ideas that we hold almost below the surface sometimes. It's the, the nagging stories. The, 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 it's like um, dogs that nip at your heels, and it's like, ooh, you know, it's annoying, but it's there and it's constant. Or that, that itch that never seems to go away or whatever it is. It's just there. It may not, sometimes it's, it's large and we're aware of it. But oftentimes it's just, oh, I should have done that. Oh, why did I say that? Oh, because it's, you know, brings up an unpleasant emotion. And then we think, oh, if we had just done it differently, then it wouldn't feel so icky right now. Um, yeah, we have this idea sometimes that success is pleasant equals good or unsuc not success is, is unpleasant equals bad. All these ways we, we create the story around what's, what's right or what's wrong, what's right or what's wrong or good or bad. And, or we work hard um, to get rid of what we don't like or what others tell us is not okay. How can you do that? You know, you might be very content, but then uh, somebody else makes a snarky comment, and all of a sudden there's this ooh. You know the you know the old saying that um, what other people think of you is none of your business. To be okay with that takes a lot of work. I don't know about you, but it wasn't easy for me to not worry about what other people thought because. I had to be okay, and so much of it was dependent on outside stuff. This is the problem with this, this suffering and this clinging is that we are dependent on outside stuff. We're dependent on that person 
or that outcome or this or that. And, and it's just a, a, a really challenging proposition to deconstruct those stories. Another way the Buddha talks about us being um, stuck and um, getting lost in discontent, getting lost in dukkha, is the teaching around uh, what's often called the five aggregates. And they are, um, they're one of the, in the fourth foundation of mindfulness. It's the mindfulness of the dhammas. And it's, that's the Four Noble Truths and um, Seven Factors of Awakening and the Hindrances. And, and one of them is the Five Aggregates. Um, and they are the constructs of the mind. The mind has constructed these, these ideas and we believe in them and we think they'll do something for us. And we create stories and we plan actions and we are unaware that it's just a fantasy. It's just a fantasy. When you get caught in planning, when you get caught in, if this happens, I, I was thinking about this today, that worry, oh, if this happens then, that if then, and the churning that brings up, and we don't realize that, that's just a story. And we suffer from so much, and we cling to those ideas. And the aggregates, which a number of teachers are calling now bundles, because the word skanda in Pali means like a bundle. Like if you see some hay that's tied up in a bundle or wood, a bundle of wood, that's kind of the original meaning of it. And the, the Buddha talked about the um, bundles of aggregates or these bundles that these bundles of suffering. And so the five of them are um, what we get stuck on. We get stuck on form, physical characteristics, what we look like, what it's supposed to look like, what that looks like. We get stuck on feeling. This is, this is um, that feeling tone, whether things are pleasant or unpleasant. These are subjective sensations of pleasure or pain. And I'm getting these particular, um, this is, a, I was reading something that Gil Fronstall wrote about the aggregates where he talks about them in this particular way. Perception, how we see things, how we recognize things. And obviously as these are necessary in order to move through the world. We have to recognize, oh, that's a cup. Um, you know, that's a mouse. Um, all these different things. We have to recognize these things and for those shortcuts. But when they move in in a kind of rigid way, especially around um, behaviors or experiences or relationships. So perception is simple concepts or projections, seeing things a certain way. One of the, one of my favorite um, examples is if you see this thing on the floor and you think it's a mouse or a rat or something, and then you turn on the light and it's a sock, or you walk outside and you think you see a snake in the grass and it's actually a, a you know, a garden hose. But we, what we see, we, we create this story about what it is, but we're just kind of making up. We may not have that, all the facts. And mental formations, another of the aggregates are stories, reactions, attachments. These are the habitual patterns of the mind. 
it's supposed to be a particular way. The world is supposed to be a particular way. My experience is supposed to be a particular way. And when we run up against reality, it's painful. It's, it's unpleasant. It's dukkha. Because we're aversion. Not wanting things to be the way they are is, is one of the hindrances. We're caught in, caught in aversion. Or greed is chasing the pleasant. And ignorance is just delusion, not seeing it. So they're driven by the three character, these uh, three poisons, these three defilements, greed, aversion, and ignorance. And then, so when we are stuck in dukkha, when we're stuck in this discontent, we can begin to break it down. Oh, physical characteristics, maybe is it pleasant or unpleasant or perception? Am I seeing things clearly? Is this really what's going on? Really breaking down and then recognizing those habits of mind, those stories. According to the Buddha, he said, when we cling, we cling to one of these constructions and then we suffer. We don't recognize that they're fabrications and we believe they're real. And in one of the suttas, he said, a burden indeed are these five aggregates, and the carrier of the burden is the person. Taking up the burden in the world is dukkha. Casting off the burden is bliss. You know, and when we cast one, if we cast it off and we don't take up another one, that's liberation, that's freedom, that's bliss. But it's the, the effort to begin to unravel those fabrications of the mind. And it goes along with another, this, is, this goes hand in hand with another teaching. I told you I was jumping into the suttas, which is that sec, the teaching of the second arrow, which is really wonderful. There's the actual experience that may be unpleasant, and then there's the story we create around it. You know, we kick and we scream and we jump up and down. There's the pain that comes with being a human being, which is the first arrow. And our reaction to it is the second arrow and can be so unpleasant. Um, there's being, I, I, being told something or, or uh, yeah, I, I'm going to tell this story. I haven't told it in a minute, but it's I, way back years ago before my husband and I got married, we had we're coming home from camping and my car had broken down right before we went away and we're coming back and all of a sudden the thought of my broken down car went into my mind and I went, ugh, I got to get that car taken care of. And it's like, ugh, it's such an old junky car. I need to get a new car. Ugh, I can't afford a new car. Ugh, if I want to buy a new car, I'm going to have to get a new job. Ugh, I can't get a new job here. I'm going to have to back, move back to New York to get a job. I'm not going to be able to get one in California. Ugh. If I move back to New York, I'm going to have to call off the wedding. This was in 10 seconds, maybe 20 seconds. But it's our mind. Something unpleasant happens, and then we create this scenario, and it's so unpleasant. Luckily, I was able to see that. That's called papancha, this pol proliferation of thought. I was able to see that and go, stop. Stop. Or somebody says something 
And we think it means, we read the mind and we go, oh, they said this, this means that. And we suffer over it. Or if somebody passes us on the street that we knew and they ignored us, this means that. We create these stories that can be really painful. And if we don't stop and pay attention to the dukkha, where's that dukkha in your body? Is it tight jaw or lost and I'll get them, I'll show them. Next time I see them, I'll ignore them. Whatever, retaliation. So the first arrow is the thought of the experience or is the experience itself. And then the second arrow is is us running off with it, just making it like blowing it out of proportion. But again, these can be so subtle. These can be so subtle. It's really important to understand that they can be subtle and to really be willing to dig deep and see where we're stuck. I mean, there are obvious ones like there's addictions, there's these painful addictions, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's, there's gambling, there's, there's the obvious ones that we know other people point out to us. But the less, uh, less obvious ones, like getting stuck in wanting a, wanting a particular relationship or thinking a particular job is going to be the one or, or getting a particular, you know, getting that apartment we love or whatever it is, whatever moves in and then becomes the one. We must, it must turn out this particular way, whatever the story is that we've created. And it just moves in and we're disappointed. There's discontent if it's not going the way we think it should go. And then we try harder and, and then it, it just, and we're not paying attention to the reality of the moment. What's actually happening? Maybe it's really good going on, but we're so focused on, on getting a particular thing. We're missing out on the reality of right here. You know, there's longing, there's aversions, there's all this stuff. And we come from this place, a lot of times we come from this place of lack. And I found this quote um, from Christina Feldman that I had written down years ago. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. She talks about, um, she talks, she, Christina Feldman's a teacher and she has a definition of craving that I really like. She said, craving is the servant of the belief of insufficiency. When there's a lack, we need to fill it up, and craving is born of this craving to do something about this inadequacy. And I really appreciate that because we do live in a society that tells us there's just not enough. There's just not enough, or you're not enough. And I mean, the he's a billionaire, what's your problem? You know? What are you doing wrong? Or whatever our own measuring stick is. Whatever our own yardstick for getting to somewhere. Arriving. Because apparently if we arrive, then we've got enough. If we haven't gotten to that place, then obviously, obviously there's, a, there's an insufficiency in which we have to make up. And so this practice of letting go, of, of releasing that clinging, 
is the practice that we're doing, is being with what is and recognizing the stories that pull us away. You know? We have to quiet the mind. Begin to recognize what dukkha feels like. Start where you are. What does dukkha feel like? What's your dukkha right now? What's the discontent in your life right now? Examine it. Is it is it based in reality? Is it just a fabrication? Is it something that you've had as a desire or a craving for years? And then when you actually look at it today, you're like, I don't even want that anymore. That, that happens a lot too. It's like it's just an old story that we just never, never take the time to look up. We never take the time to look up. That hungry ghost too comes back. That hungry ghost. Maybe take a step back and say, am I being a hungry ghost here? Yeah, it's really important. And, you know, when we're looking at the world around us, it doesn't mean we don't work to end injustice. But we have to watch the attachment to having things a certain way. I have to fix this now. It has to be this. Instead, just hold and recognize the normal pain that comes with the human condition. There's, you know, the Buddha says aging, sickness, death, grief, lamentation. It's there. It's part of our existence. This idea that if we do it right, we won't feel it is, is, is just going to lead to more suffering, more dukkha, more dissatisfaction. So instead, can you hold the discomfort that's present, the dukkha, with compassion, with, kind, with, with, with kindness, with softness, and work skillfully to move in a, in a, in a wholesome direction. Um, a, from the Dhammapada, there's a couple of, couple of phrases from the, the sentence, a couplets from the Dhammapada. If this sticky, uncouth craving overcomes you in the world, your sorrows grow like wild grass after rain. If in the world you overcome this uncouth craving, hard to escape, sorrows roll off you like water beads off a lotus. So if you can overcome this craving or let it go, it'll just roll off you like water off a lotus. If its root remains undamaged and strong, a tree, even if cut, will grow back. So too, if latent craving is not rooted out, this suffering returns again and again. So it's, not, it's, it's really about dropping down and really just digging out that root. And it takes time. It's not like sit down, go on retreat, fix it all, and then when you come home, you're done. I haven't met anyone who's, who's gotten that taken care of yet. But it's a process. And these roots get maybe lesser and lesser or fewer and fewer. So we're moving towards this ease. There's more ease. There's more awareness that comes. And then I'll end with my, um, one of my favorites, Ajahn Chah, who passed away, I think, 32 years ago this week. Wise, wise monk from Thai forest tradition. He said... Do not try to become anything. Do not make yourself into anything. Do not be a meditator. Do not become enlightened. When you sit, let it be. 
What you walk, let it be. Grasp at nothing, resist nothing. Just let it be. So thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends. Remembering to cling is to suffer. And as Ajahn Chah and the Beatles said, let it be. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your kind, kind, kind attention. And I hope this has been of some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.